Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The Feels Good to Be Alive right about now edition as the 7-6 and six Bengals look to boost their playoff chances by beating the Vikings on Saturday at Paycor Stadium. Coming up, I'll talk to Chase Brown about running 22 miles an hour. Chris Rose from the NFL Network shares his thoughts on Jake Browning's remarkable rise. And in this week's Know the Foe conversation, we'll take an in-depth look at the Vikings with Kevin Seifert, who covers the team for ESPN. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since crowd noise in the jungle. The Bengals have home field advantage on Saturday against a team that is about to use its fourth different starting quarterback. After Kirk Cousins tore his Achilles in week eight, rookie Jaron Hall started a game, Josh Dobbs started the next four, and now Nick Mullins is scheduled to be in there against Cincinnati. Additionally, the Vikings starting right tackle Brian O'Neill injured his ankle last week, left the stadium in a walking boot, and didn't practice on Tuesday or Wednesday. With those things in mind, Zach Taylor says Bengals fans can play a significant role on Saturday. If the person three seats down from you in the row can't hear you, then we're, you're doing a good job, okay? And so that, that's essentially what the quarterback's dealing with as he's trying to communicate with a tackle, uh, make a last-second communication to the receiver. If they can't hear him, they can't make that check. And so it's critical in a, in a December game like this with the team um, coming on the road against us that uh, third downs in particular, that's where, that's where you know the communication is really stressed, but every down. So I, I do challenge our fans. we got outstanding fans to – um, you know, drink one more drink and rush in the stadium and, and be as loud as you can humanly possibly be uh, when Minnesota's offense is out there and help our guys. And, and uh, that's, that is a critical element that we get this home field advantage. We're not playing on the road this week. Um, if we were playing in Minnesota, it would be a real problem. <laughs> and so Minnesota's here. Let's make it a real problem for them. That's a call to action, Bengals fans. Zach Taylor wants you to be loud. I'm sure you'll make him proud. Now. Time for my first guest. Rookie Chase Brown has given the Bengals offense a turbo boost over the last two weeks. In the Jacksonville game, he had 31 and 15-yard runs, and in the Colts game, he had a 10-yard run, caught a screen pass for 25 yards, and caught this screen pass for his first NFL touchdown. Rookie Chase Brown checks in for the first time at running back after nine carries for 61 yards last week. They fake it to him. Now they screen it to him. All sorts of running room and blockers in front. He's flying to the 30, the 20, the 10. Cuts back. Makes a man miss at the 5. Touchdown! Bengals! Chase Brown showing his speed as he flies down the field for the Bengals touchdown. I talked to Chase about that play and his rookie year this week. Chase, on your 54-yard screen pass touchdown last week, you were timed at 22.05 miles an hour. That's the second fastest time 
of any ball carrier in the NFL this year. Behind only DK Metcalf of Seattle, you are ahead of the cheetah, Tyreek Hill, who has three of the top eight times. Did you think of yourself as one of the fastest people in the NFL before you saw that? Well, I always knew I could run, but um, there's an opportunity to open up. And, I mean, no, not, not initially, but, I mean, the numbers are there, and it's pretty cool to reflect on. I tried an experiment this week. I set the cruise control on my car to 22 miles an hour. I stuck my head out the window to try to feel like what it must be like to run that fast. Yeah. Is it God-given or the product of hard work? My mom was a great athlete. My dad's a good athlete. So um, definitely have the genetics to back up a 22-mile-per-hour speed. But, you know, um, maintaining that over time is, you know, hard work and effort and obviously – I feel like there's so many areas I can improve, and you know that's what I'm, I'm focused on right now. We're chatting with Chase Brown. In the last two games, Joe Mixon has combined for 242 rushing and receiving yards. You have 121. It's kind of the classic thunder and lightning backfield. Do you guys feed off each other? Uh, I definitely feed off his energy, um, and you know I think we, we both spark the offense in different ways. So I think you know we, we, we combo each other well. After the game, you climbed into the stands to celebrate with some folks who had come down from your hometown in Canada. Yeah. Who were they? Yeah, those are my those are my high school coaches from Canada, uh, guys that introduced me to the game of football, and um, extremely grateful for the for the group of guys, especially making a trip out. Uh, they they didn't have to do that, but you know they're just showing their genuine interest in me and supporting me, and I'm just grateful that they were able to to be there for that moment. We're chatting with Chase Brown. The coaches made it pretty clear coming out of the bye back in week eight that you were going to start getting more opportunities, and then you hurt your hamstring at practice. Were you worried that your big chance had come and gone? You know, I have a, a, a positive mindset, so, um, you know, I knew that there was opportunity there, but, you know, injury kind of held me back, but I saw it as an opportunity to to make sure I was ready to go mentally as soon as I got back. So, you know, I prepared as if, as if I was playing every single week, and, um, you know, that paid off. An NFL player's rookie year is a roller coaster ride. You are going through it with your twin brother, Sidney, who's playing for the Philadelphia Eagles. How much have you helped each other get through the roller coaster ride of year one? Yeah, you know, we just talk. Um, it, it makes the process so much easier when, um, you know, you have a twin brother that's pretty much exactly like you, but, you know, going through something similar to you so um just sharing our experiences talking about the the goods and the bads and the ups and the downs and you know that's always that always helps it's like a little therapy session anytime <laughs> we get on there jake browning is not a rookie but he's getting his first opportunity at roughly the same time as you are what has he shown you over the past few weeks yeah he's he's a great leader number one but um dude's dialed in uh, he's playing really good football right now and uh i mean him just being him is, you know, helping us win games and, you know, sparking the offense in different ways. And, um, you know, I'm sure he learned a lot from, you know, Joe Burrow throughout his time here. And, you know, he's just ready to, to show who he is and make the most of this opportunity that's in front of him. You had an extremely heavy workload last year at Illinois, 328 attempts. That's roughly 27 a game. You had 41 carries in one game. You got 19 so far this year, how fresh do you feel as a result? Pretty fresh, a lot more fresh than I did uh, during the Illinois season. Um, but, um, you know, I kind of I took pride in 
uh, them giving me the ball 27 times a game. Um, they trusted me to to make plays and uh, get the ball in the end zone. So that's that was my job back then. Right now, it's just a little bit different. I'm a role player. Uh, I'm going to do my role to the best of my ability and you know do whatever I can to help this team win. You've given the offense a huge jolt over the past couple of weeks. It's been fun to watch. Best of luck this week and going forward. Thank you. Let's go back to that GPS measurement of 22.05 miles an hour, the second fastest for any ball carrier in the NFL this year. Jamar Chase is 11th on the list. He hit 21.54 miles an hour when he caught a 63-yard touchdown bomb from Joe Burrow in Arizona. And remember a couple of years ago against Kansas City when Jamar caught a short pass and then ran away from about seven guys on a 72-yard touchdown? He reached 21.74 miles an hour on that one. In other words, not quite measuring up to Chase Brown's number. Here's Jamar's reaction. I don't know. Maybe I'm slow, man. <laughs> Have you ever crossed, seen your numbers? I'm thinking I'm slow right now. I'm not gonna lie. I just looked up the GPS from the 2021 Kansas City catch. What was it? 21.7. Oh. Well, what did he? Twenty-one point eight. He was twenty-two oh five. Oh damn! Day. Yeah, I'm slow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm slow, man. I'm slow, man. Yeah. On the Kansas City play, you kind of had to start, you know, from a standing position almost. Yeah. So it's harder to get up to twenty-two. Yeah. He was already moving when he caught the ball. Um. You said I was twenty-one. What was the other one? Twenty-one point seven and twenty twenty-one. This year against Arizona, twenty-one point five. Yeah, I'm slow, bro. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta love Jamar Chase. By the way, he needs 23 catches in the final four games of the year to break T.J. Hushmanzada's team record of 112 receptions in a single season. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. Saturday's game will be broadcast nationally on the NFL Network. And I caught up with one of the broadcasters on Wednesday. He is the host of NFL Game Day Highlights every Sunday on the NFL Network. And this Saturday, he will do play-by-play of the Bengals-Vikings game. It is great to visit with Chris Rose. Chris, we are always interested in getting the national perspective of the Cincinnati Bengals. Have you been wowed by what Jake Browning has done over the past couple of weeks? Absolutely, Dan. I don't don't think there's a question about it. We were all watching that Ravens-Bengals game, and when Joe Burrow couldn't throw the ball on the sidelines, we were like, okay, we'll see the Bengals in 2024. Well, I guess jokes on everybody else because the Bengals are playing great football. They're actually a very healthy team outside of the quarterback position. And I think they're one of those teams, you know, there's it only feels like 20 teams in the AFC are at seven and six. And the <laughs> Bengals are one of them. Everybody's talking up Buffalo, and that's the team you don't want to see in the playoffs. Big Browning can keep doing what he's doing. I have a feeling based on Cincinnati's pedigree over the last couple of years that it might be the Bengals that you do not want to face come mid-January. So I'm sure as you have prepped to do play-by-play this week, you've learned a lot of things about the Bengals beyond the stars that maybe you didn't know from doing the highlights every Sunday. What stands out to you as you've learned more about this team? 
Well, I mean, listen, I knew that they were really young in the secondary, right? I, we, we we watch all the games together every Sunday as we get ready for our game day highlights and game day final shows. And it just seems like every time they're trotting out a, a rookie or a second year guy back there, uh, Cameron Taylor Britt, who unfortunately is not going to play as he continues to be on IR, was a guy that the first half of the season, we were like, oh, that's one of those dudes who's making the huge leap. But DJ Turner has done a, a really nice job. Jordan Battle has now become a starter. So it feels like They've got their secondary for years to come. Um, Chase Brown has added just a different element now that he's touched the ball the last two weeks. Uh, you know, he's one of those guys where you always hear rookies can't pass block, and I understand with Joe Burrow and the injured calf the first month of the year why you wouldn't want him back there. Then he got the hamstring injury, and then last week it looks like he was freaking shot out of a cannon. I mean, I have no idea. We all watched that screenplay early on. We we're like, what the heck just happened there? Because <laughs> nobody's, you know, we all saw him at the combine. I think he ran like a four four three, which is a really good time, but it's not like DJ Turner's four two six or something. But he just looked so much faster than everybody else. I was like, they got to get the ball to that guy, and so I expect more of that to happen this weekend. Chris, you went to Miami University. You worked at Fox nineteen here in Cincinnati for a while back in the nineteen nineties. The Bengals were struggling at the time. What memories do you have of covering the Bengals back then? Uh, they were struggling and I was struggling as I was learning to, to get into this business. So it was actually a perfect match. I, I remember when uh, Shula was the coach, David Shula. And I want to say that one year they started out 0-8 or 0-9 or something like that. And they finally won a game. And here I am. I'm like, I was, I was Greg Horde's sports producer and Kevin Frazier's sports producer. And so I had to go down to interview the coach afterward the, the next day. And it's, you know, there's a few writers in there and a couple of camera people, but it wasn't a very large contingent of media. And I'm thinking to myself, well, this is, this is the day that I can ask a good question or something. And I asked him something about, well, you have a win, but now you're like one and eight or one and nine. And he looked at me and he was like, can I enjoy this for one day? Can't we all just enjoy this for one day? And I was like, oh my God. So yeah, I, I got I got nailed back then. I was like, don't try and be that tough guy. Just ask a legitimate question here, you moron. <laughs> We're chatting with Chris Rose. What do you think of the job that Duke Tobin has done in building the roster and, and Zach Taylor in his leadership of this franchise? Great. That's great. Now listen, did they did they end up in a fortunate area where Joe Burrow was the quarterback that was available in twenty twenty? You know, at, absolutely. Um you know, Kyler Murray's a good quarterback, but he's not Joe Burrow. Baker Mayfield, two years earlier, solid quarterback, but he's now on his fourth team. I mean, could the Browns have taken Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen with that? Yes, absolutely. But the Bengals, they picked the right one, although um, Justin Herbert has been very good and Tua is going to make the playoffs this year. They picked the right one, and that's the centerpiece, right? You get that piece on, and then the rest kind of falls into place, but their free agent signings have been, I think, pretty solid. The offensive line, although, you know, at times it, it's it been a little leaky, is significantly improved over uh, the first time we saw Joe Burrow in the playoffs. Trey Hendrickson has been nothing short of phenomenal. And you win in this league when you make great draft picks, not just with your first rounder. I mean, that's the one that gets all the press. But it's those guys in the third, fourth, and fifth rounds that are going to help you become champions. I mean, just follow the trail of the Kansas City Chiefs a year ago, particularly on the defensive side of the football. 
where they had guys in rounds two, three, and four, and even in seven, playing significant roles as they ran all the way to the Super Bowl. And I think that Duke Tobin has done as good a job as, as any talent evaluator in the NFL. You mentioned the muddled pack of teams at seven and six in the AFC. The Bengals probably need to go three and one in their last four games. They've got the Vikings this week, then the Steelers, then the Chiefs, and finally a home game against the Cleveland Browns. What do you think of their chances of emerging uh, from this pack of seven and six teams and getting in? So don't. Here's what I would um, I would advise all Bengals fans out there. Don't do the whole schedule thing. Like, don't try and figure out what every other team who's fighting for a walk, well, they're going to lose to them, and those guys are going to beat them. That doesn't work. Just go back to Monday night for the proof, right? The Tennessee Titans had not won a road game all year. They were without their best player on either side of the football in Jeffrey Simmons, and they went down to Miami and won when they were down 14 points with, like, three minutes to go. So just let's stop that right now. If you want to familiarize yourself with the the uh, tiebreaker scenarios, go ahead and let me know how that goes for you. Because <laughs> I have followed this sport for like 45 years, and I, I've read it 18 times in the last three days, and I still can't figure it out. So just, you know what? Let's take a sports cliche, everybody. Let's take it one game at a time. We'll deal with this Saturday, whatever happens on Sunday, and then Monday night, we'll deal with it next week. So, I mean, like, I hate cliches, but let's just do that. Um, I think you have a really good shot this weekend. I know you got to play four winning teams over the last month, but everybody but Mahomes is a backup quarterback. So just roll with it. And by the way, 10 and seven, I don't think necessarily is the number because I think there's going to be more than three teams at 10 and seven. And then we have to get into the whole tiebreaker scenario that I can't explain to you, Dan. Yeah. If you figure out the tiebreakers by Saturday, please let me know because I'm struggling with it as well. So you will be calling Bengals Vikings this week like the Bengals. The Vikings are seven and six. They are doing it without Kirk Cousins and they have a winning record since he went down eight games into the season. How are they doing it? Defense. Ryan Flores took over as the defensive play caller from Ed Donatel and they are totally different than a year ago. They lead the league in blitzes. They lead the league in three and fewer pass rushers. So what does that mean? You can't really get a grasp on what they're doing. They're all over the place. So Jake Browning, one play might see six or seven bodies up at the line of scrimmage, and the next down he might see two, um, which makes it fun for that Minnesota defense. Uh, Ivan Pace, who, of course, grew up there in Cincinnati, went to Colerain, and I will take him as a Miami Red Hawk, even though he finished that last year with the Cincinnati Bearcats. He is a Red Hawk at heart. And when I talk to him, I will let him know that. Um, is the reigning NFC Defensive Player of the Week. I mean, he had an amazing stat line in that monumental 3 nothing win over the Las Vegas Raiders. We had 13 tackles, a forced fumble, and a pick. We hadn't seen a rookie do that since the Texans coach, D'Amico Ryans, did it 17 years ago, if my math is right. So they, they're just doing it with defense. Offensively, Nick Mullins is a guy that can sling it a little bit. Now, he's no joke. He's got a decent arm, but he'll throw it to you. He's kind of like, you know, he went to Southern Miss, and, of course, the most famous player from there is Brett Favre. Just like Favre, he's going to throw it to you a couple times a game. It's just whether or not you're going to catch it. So with those things in mind, give us a couple of keys to the Bengals getting out of Paycor Stadium on Saturday with a win. Well, last week, uh, I talked to a good friend of mine who, who – uh, actually works for the Bengals this week. And he reminded me 
he might even be on this right now, the Zoom call, that the Bengals did not give up a sack for the first time in their last 43 games. So if you do that against the Neil Hunter and crew, that's that's a good deal. It's really important. Um, although Jake Browning's been great against like blitzes. I just noticed his numbers. He's completing two-thirds of his passes and has put up some pretty gaudy numbers. But you want to make it so that he's not getting a lot of pressure in his face. Um, I would use Chase Brown a ton. I'm a big fan of that kid. I know I like shiny new toys, but I think he's not just a different gear. He's like a different sports car that's been hanging out in the garage with the, you know, the canvas over it for two months. So I would use him. And I think it's going to be really fun to see between Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, which one of those two former great LSU teammates has the better day, because you better believe they both want to shine and outshine the other. Chris, this has been fun. Look forward to having you back in town on Saturday. Thanks for your time. Absolutely. And Dan, if you need it, I've got the entire tiebreaker scenario. It's right right down here <laughs> somewhere in one of these pages. So I'm going to send all this to you. It's not sloppy or anything. We'll take care of it. Just summarize for me, please. Just summarize. Yeah, in three words or less. It shouldn't be a problem. That'd be perfect. Thanks, Dan. I'm still not sure that I have a total grasp of the playoff tiebreakers, but I know this thanks to my pal Jay Morrison, who covers the Bengals for Pro Football Network. There are three NFL games on Saturday. If the Bengals beat the Vikings, the Colts beat the Steelers, and the Lions beat the Broncos, and those are the teams that are favored to win, the Bengals would jump to the number six playoff seed in the AFC. And nothing that happens on Sunday would change that. Finally, it's time for this week's Know the Foe segment. The Minnesota Vikings were 4-4 four and four when Kirk Cousins tore his Achilles, and they're 3-2 and two since, including that 3 nothing win over the Raiders last week that was scoreless with two minutes to go. Kevin Seifert covers the Vikings for ESPN. He joined Dave Lapham and me on the Bengals Game Plan Show this week and explained how the Vikings have managed to stay in playoff contention without their starting quarterback. Uh, really, their defense. Uh, Brian Flores has come in uh, this season in his first year with the defensive coordinator and has really engineered his 180-degree turn in the way they play defense. Uh, from last season when they were a very passive, uh, you know, two-deep type look to this year where they have essentially with the same players become this like wild blitzing, mixing coverages, mixing positions, essentially using um, – players at, at multiple positions at any given time and really since the start since about the third or the fourth week of the season they've been a top five defense across the board and so that's what you need when you lose your starting quarterback and not only is your starting quarterback but you lose your number two and your number three as well and Josh Dobbs when he was playing for the Vikings was really their fourth and so usually those situations lead to a disaster and one of the reasons the Vikings the biggest reason it hasn't been a disaster for them has been their defense. What is it about the Vikings with close football games? I mean, they, they win 11 by one score or less, you know, last year. That was a record, I think. And then they've only had one game the entire season that's been decided by 14 points or more against at Green Bay. Every other game, there was one by eight, but that's a one-score deal with a two-point conversion. Eight points or less. I mean, the six games they've lost by a total of 23 points – the games they've won hasn't been a whole lot different. It, it's unbelievable how every single game unfolds to be like a one-score game or less. What is it? it? 
it's, it's, and it's not great for uh, the blood pressure of beat writers on deadline. <laughs> uh, but they have played 30 games since the start of when Kevin O'Connell became the coach last year. Uh, 23 of them have been decided by one score games. So wow. as you said, they're 11 and 0 last year. This year they're six and six in the 12 games that have been uh, one score. And then obviously the Packers game that you mentioned. And so uh, I, I've, I'm kind of out of explanations. I don't think there's like a, a through line through all of these things. I think last year, especially they were really good playing fourth quarter situational football. And so, um, and they were, uh, they were able to pull out a lot of games uh, at the very end, either through game-winning drives with Kirk Cousins or their defense, uh, maybe making an interception here and there. Uh, this year, it's been a little bit all over the map. And I, I think it's, it's just kind of an extreme example of what we see across the league. I mean, my theory on the NFL is that every year there's a handful of really good teams, maybe three to five, a handful of really bad teams, another three and five, and everybody else is in that middle. Right. The vast majority is in that middle. And so they're kind of an extreme example of that where they're not good enough to just, you know, especially this year, just reel off uh, wins every time they're in these close games. But they are good enough to rarely get blown out either. Um, and so maybe it's just kind of a, a little bit of a microcosm of the larger – you know, relative lack of disparity that we see in the NFL, that they find themselves in every game playing with an opponent, um, not necessarily being better, but sometimes this year, sometimes coming out ahead, sometimes this year uh, being behind, but um, always very close. And, uh, and I expect more of that um, to come this weekend. Kevin Seifert covers the Vikings for ESPN. I do University of Cincinnati football games, so I can honestly say I am not surprised that Ivan Pace is having success at the NFL level. What stands out to you about his play as a rookie for Minnesota? Just, um, you know, just so energetic. I mean, he, from the the beginning of, of training camp, he was just making splash plays. Like, you would just, you would just see him running sideline to sideline uh, in a, at a at a rate that most of the guys weren't, especially when he was working on that second and third team, uh, those second and third team groups. And then you never, but you never know when you're watching training camp what that means. Sometimes it's just a guy that's really it hustles a lot, but the coaches don't see, you know, potential to actually be a contributor at the first team. And then all of a sudden he started, uh, you know, they they'd have an inter squad scrimmage and he's working with the first team and the guy that they had penciled in to be the starters of the second team. And you think, oh, well, maybe they're just seeing what he can do. And then it just never stopped. They just, he just kept showing up. Um, and whenever they would line up with their first team, he would be there. Uh, Brian Flores' defense, I think, uh, has one of the things that's been really good is that he has found ways to maximize the skills of each guy. And so in some cases, that means they play, play 10 snaps one week, and the next week they play 50 snaps. And so that's where Ivan was um, at least early in the year. Like a lot of his playing time was based on what Flores and the defensive staff thought was best for that particular week. But then mm-hmm. uh, I think it was three weeks ago, Jordan Hicks, their veteran um, middle linebacker uh, had a really serious uh, leg injury. And so they had no choice, but to put Ivan out there every play and put the green dot on his helmet and say, Hey, be the captain of our middle defense. And he's, really just taking the bull by the horns. And I think that the game he had last week in Vegas where he had 13 tackles and a sack and a game clinching interception was definitely his best of the year and uh, probably a springboard of things to come. 
The uh, the Vikings have scored 26 points in the first quarter in 13 football games, two points per game. Why the slow starts, do you think? Well, early in the year, they were on this crazy run of, of not only not scoring, but turning the ball over. I think they had first half of the season, I think it was four games where they turned the ball opening, over on the opening possession. And so they were just coming out, um, and maybe it was too – um, you know, overthinking their script a little bit. Um, maybe it was trying to be too fine or too aggressive in what they were projecting opponents to do, but they were just really rough in the, in, in the, especially on those opening drives. And that's where you, you see a lot of teams really excel is if you have the whole week to play in your opening script and, and if nothing is going to work the whole day, but that, but that, but you know, that one, right. one drive will. And so it it was really wild and they went, they just, kind of, I think, tried to simplify things a little bit, um, decided who they thought was, you know, should have the ball in their hands um, more often and, and, and some other guys maybe a little less often and got that straightened out. And so I think that the average you cited was um, probably brought down significantly by that run they had in the beginning of the year. So they've been a little bit better. Um, uh, but in the past two weeks, the, the both the Raiders and – the Bears got the opening kickoff and ended up on these um, long time-consuming, not necessarily productive, but time-consuming drives. And the Vikings didn't really have many plays in the first quarter of those two games either. And so it's been a combination of factors, but now they, I think, have gotten their turnover situation under control. Uh, they're a little bit more effective now in the first quarters. Kevin, my final question has to do with Nick Mullins, who will be the starting quarterback this week. Fourth starting quarterback of the year for the Vikings. First time in franchise history, apparently. They've started four in one season. Was this building, or was this just the result of him having a good fourth quarter last week in the 3 nothing win in Vegas? Well, it was a combination of factors. You know, Nick Mullins started the year as the Vikings' number two quarterback, and he and then he had a back injury that happened in practice and he went on injury reserve and if that injury had not happened he would have been the person who came in to replace Kirk Cousins when Cousins suffered the Achilles injury but he wasn't available so they went with their number three quarterback who got Jaron Hollow at a concussion and then finally to Josh Dobbs and I think there was a belief all along that they would eventually work their way back to Mullins but Dobbs had these great couple of games just to start off and built himself up some equity. But over time, he started to have some struggles with turnovers and just really getting down the complicated nature of this offense. So maybe it had been building behind the scenes a little bit, but they, you know, he came in against Vegas and led the only scoring drive they had in the whole game. And so at this point, I don't know that Kevin O'Connell, the head coach had much of a choice, um, but to turn to, to Nick, but he also, like, I, I, you know, this, he had a very cutting quote where he said, this is a week-to-week offense. We're going to decide every week what we're doing and who the people out there uh, are going to be that's doing it. And so I don't know that I feel confident that Nick Mullins is the starter for the rest of the year, but he's definitely going to be the starter this weekend. Thanks for giving us all the time you've given us. My final question involves the tight end position. How good has Hawkinson been? The Bengals have given up more hmm. receptions and more receiving yards than any defense in the National Football League. And Hawkinson, 85 catches over 800 yards, five touchdowns receiving. How how good is this dude? Well, they he's really become the security blanket for all the Vikings quarterbacks, um, and for reasons that we haven't even talked about yet. But Justin Jefferson missed seven 
seven games with a hamstring injury and most of last week with the, after he got hit in the back there um, and suffered a chest injury. So he, Hawkinson has sort of been the first choice of every quarterback that's played for the Vikings this year during the, the Jefferson time away. And so that's really where Hawkinson has made a lot of his uh, hey, He has not been a great like downfield receiver per se right. or a run, run after the catch guy. But in terms of someone who knows how to find a little seam in the, in the zone and pulling a seven yard catch on first and 10 or a five yard catch on third and three, he's been outstanding at that. I think he has more catches or maybe he's now ranked number two in the NFL amongst all tight ends. And so he's been very durable um, and very uh, available and, and very much a security blanket for all of those guys. And so um We'll see how that, you know, how that plays out now that we expect Jefferson to be on the field for most of this game, most if not all of this game Saturday. But he's always going to be there, and he's always going to be a guy that those quarterbacks know uh, can be a reliable uh, gainer of yards. And you're right. He's number one in tight end receptions with 85 and number one in tight end receptions on third down with 25. So yep. he's been a beast. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they – uh they traded for him last year from Detroit, gave up a second-round pick, and then signed him to a huge uh, contract extension. So he's a premium player at a premium value, and they're getting their money's worth out of him this year. The Bengals are currently a three-point favorite this week. Here's an invitation to join Dave Lapham and me for the Bengals Pep Rally Show this week. We'll be at the Wings and Rings location in Union, Kentucky, on Friday from 3 to 6. And since it's the day before a game, we won't have a current player joining us this week. Our special guest will be the starting center on the 1988 Super Bowl team, Bruce Kazurski. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet, designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde. Thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.